If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, yesterday seemed to be a big day at Storm and things started to come together uh, last night. Um, Arlene Foster has backed the deal uh, involving um, Irish being made an official language, an Irish language commissioner being appointed as as well. Um, there'll be uh, an equivalent commissioner uh, as far as uh, Ulster Scots and all things British are concerned uh, too. Uh, just where are we with this at this uh, moment at seven minutes past nine on a Friday morning? Let me speak to a man who keeps a very watchful eye on these things, Professor John Tong. John, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Uh, John, DUP seem to be upbeat about this and Sinn Féin are discussing it. Uh, how do you see today panning out? I think this is a goer. I think that uh, clearly, as you say, the DUP are on board. I think Sinn Féin uh, will be on board. It doesn't quite give them a, the standalone Irish Language Act that Sinn Féin has wanted, but it's, it's an Irish Language Act in all but name. It's an amendment to the Northern Ireland Act, which provides the sort of provision on Irish language that an Irish Language Act would, and there is an Irish Language Act uh, commissioner uh, that will be appointed. So it gives Sinn Féin about probably 70-80% of what they wanted, and I think that will be enough. Um, so I, I think that this will get the uh, Executive and Assembly back. Now, for how long and whether where the next crisis will loom is, is another matter, but there's, there's enough in this deal, even though it's a repackaging of many things. I mean, I, I rather like Suzanne Breen's uh, comment that this was uh, 2018, the 2018 deal for slow learners, because in effect... Uh, it is. It is. It's a, it's a three-in-one package of Irish language, Ulster Scots, uh, and a broader cultural uh, act, which I think will get the show back on the road. It's enough to get the parties back. And what are the, the point is the context has changed. I mean, where do the parties go if they reject this? They go into elections, they could be punished potentially, uh, or they face a generation potentially of, of powerlessness if they don't go back to Stormont. So I think it is game on. So, you know, forgive me for being a cynic, but the DUP, <laughs> you know, they came out of the traps quite early to say, yeah, this is good, this is good to go, it's going to, uh, it's going to suit everyone, and we have to recognise, you know, that uh, people who are of Irish orientation live here, and, you know, all the language was uh, of a, a favourable tone that was coming from uh, Arle Arlene Foster. And Sinn Féin are delaying the acceptance of it, even though, you know, you get the sense that Sinn Féin have got a lot of what they want in it, but they're, they're hesitating on, on, on saying yes or whether Art Corlew uh, meet. You know, the, the cynic in me says that Sinn Féin and the DUP have talked over how to announce this, and to, to sell it to the loyalists, the DUP need to be the first out. If Sinn Féin had been the first out to say, yes, we've got it, we're going back, we're happy, then that spooks loyalism. So if the DUP get a significant run that's saying, listen, this is fine, this is good, this suits everybody, and then in a few hours' time, Sinn Féin say, yeah, I think we agree. Um, am I being cynical? No, you're not being unduly cynical. There is that zero-sum game politics about all this, that 
now the DUP are presenting this as a, as a DUP triumph, that there isn't a standalone Irish Language Act, um, that they've watered down. The DUP are trying to present this as rather different from what the DUP leadership could not sell internally in February 2018. But to all intents and purposes, it is the same as February 2018, no matter how much you dress it up. But I agree that the DUP uh, leadership, at least, uh, selling this as, as, as a great deal could potentially spook Sinn Féin. I think it's also, though, an issue of structures. Uh, Mary Lou Macdonald can't fly solo here. Uh, neither can Michelle O'Neill. It does have to go through, through the Ardcolia. I mean, there's still a risk of a, of a late collapse. There, there's, there's still some you know, things that people could find objectionable uh, within it. But the, the, you know, it's not as if the parties have been unaware of what this text would look like, you know, which I think was sort of the premise of, of your question. You know, it's, you know, the, the, the two governments have been working on this text for several months and most of its contents that were finally released last night will not have come as a surprise to any of the of the parties so it's a question now of selling it uh, to their bases which is always the problem that was the problem in in 2018 it wasn't that the dup leadership didn't want a deal arlene foster didn't want you know the last two years to have been of, of powerlessness at stormont she wanted a deal but she couldn't sell it internally this time the dup leadership i think has been more proactive they basically told the rest of the party, look, this is the deal, uh, this is where we're at, uh, and you're going with this. Uh, now, I'm sure there will be some in the DUP who are unhappy about this, but frankly, the message from the DUP leadership is, is tough, we support this deal. I think also it's about the optics, the DUP want to be seen as positive on this. So, you know, if the deal was to collapse today, it, they could blame Sinn Féin. So I think, you know, again, you're right to be cynical about all this. On the subject of blaming Sinn Féin, people who don't support Sinn Féin, who may support any of the other parties who we're not uh, mentioning at the, at the moment this morning, or indeed some within Sinn Féin who are just a bit frustrated with the whole thing, if Sinn Féin don't deliver today, are they not going to come in for mammoth criticism? I agree. I mean, if you look at the fall in Sinn Féin's vote at the last election, after a series of indifferent uh, election results, uh, that is cause for concern uh, for the party, which is why I think Sinn Féin will, will go with this. Um, you know, if there's things uh, further down the track that Sinn Féin don't like, then the Assembly could always be collapsed again. And, you know, I, I hate to talk in such gloomy terms, but let's face it, you know, we're only a day ever away from a, a crisis in the Northern Ireland Assembly, even when it, it is up and running. So, you know, there, there are still opportunities, if you want to call it that, for Sinn Féin to collapse the show uh, further down the road. I think that's, that's the problem. There's always been, and it's the same today, the emphasis upon the big deal and perhaps less about the durability uh, of the deal. But, you know, but there, are, there are goodies that Sinn Féin, within this deal, or even though I think a lot of it is a repackaging, but there are goodies that Sinn Féin can sell uh, to uh, their own base in this. I mean, Sinn Féin is committed to the Stormont House Agreement, and this deal is quite explicit, uh, that that will be implemented within 100 days, um, uh, and, and there's no wriggle room within the documentation for that. Sinn Féin can point to the fact they've got you know, an Irish language commissioner for the first time uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, so Sinn Féin can point to progress and sell it to their own base. And as I say, you know, where would Sinn Féin go if, if they reject this deal? Uh, there's also a voice, it should be said, for the executive in terms of, 
Brexit negotiations uh, in this. And with Sinn Féin not taking their seats at Westminster, the only voice that Sinn Féin in the North at least would have on Brexit would be uh, via the mechanisms of this deal. I wouldn't over in, overstate the importance of the, of the voice of the Northern Ireland executive in terms of Brexit negotiations. Ask the devolved administrations in Scotland and Wales what they think of the Joint Ministerial Council and, you, and you'll get a rude answer. So you know, let's not overstate what the deal is offering in terms of the say for Northern Ireland, but at least there is a say built within this deal. What about the money, the money that needs to be pumped into to Northern Ireland now? Is, is there a guarantee that that money is going to come? Yeah, pretty much so. That's the best element to me of this deal. You get parity, much-needed parity for Northern Ireland nurses with their counterparts in England. Uh, there is plen- there are plenty of promises of investment. Uh, I'd say that in terms of economic investment, it's as good as what the DUP got in the confidence and supply deal with that extra billion pounds, or certainly nearly as good. So I think I think that's the best side of it. You know, the British government is prepared to, to put plenty of money into uh, getting the show back up and running. So the economic side, I don't think any, whether it be DUP, Sinn Féin, or any of the smaller parties, could, could object to them. The, the issue will be, you know, those contentious cultural issues um, with this almost Orwellian-sounding uh, office of, what is it, identity and cultural expression. <laughs> I mean, which is uh, almost sinister-sounding. And, and I can see that being a repository for all sorts of grievances over the next few years, once that's up and running. And I can see that being a bone of contention. But Arlene Foster and Michelle O'Neill will have to own what they uh, have agreed, assuming they do uh, agree this, because they will be directly responsible as First and Deputy First Minister, assuming they stay in their posts, for the appointment of each of those contentious commissioners, whether it be Irish Language Commissioner, Ulster Scots Commissioner, or this Commissioner for... Uh, culture and identity. They are the people who will do the appointing. So, you know, watch this space. Um, There's going to be some interesting appointments there. How do you think today, finally, John, will pan out? What will happen? What's the time scale for today from your perspective? Pretty quick. I mean, if the parties agree to this, you could conceivably have the Assembly back in place uh, this afternoon, at least for for a token sitting. Um, But presumably the the Assembly would be restored... Uh, sometime next week, uh, the elections that were threatened will, will not take place, and the executive um, would be formed on the basis uh, of the haunt. In other words, that the assembly, the executive formation would be, in terms of the parties within it, would be based upon the last uh, election. Now, you know, the parties do still need to agree properly a formal programme of government, but basically this deal provides that that programme. So I see a fairly quick restoration. Uh, and back to work. When I say fairly quick restoration, there's a certain irony in that, given it's been away for, for three years. I don't think the Irish public would see it as a quick restoration. But following this deal, yeah, there's nothing to stop uh, a quick reconvening uh, and, and getting back to business. And there's much business to be done. So I, I think this is a breakthrough. Uh, but the cynic in me thinks, yeah, it, it, you get the show back up on, on, back and running, but where is the next crisis down the track? Because for sure there will be one, given the 
competitive nature, shall we say, of Northern Irish politics. It's a very fair analysis. John, thank you very, very much indeed. Professor John Tong there with his eyes on Stormont. 02890-3105-077-66-105-105. Good morning to you. Now, what do the people of Donegal know? That's the question I ask. Uh, let's go back to Monday on this programme before I speak to our next contributor. Uh, Monday morning on this very programme, um, I had this uh, sort of conversation uh, with uh, one of my guests about people in Donegal. Have a listen to this. I had a discussion with people I met in Donegal the last co- over the last couple of days and not one of them thought that the talks would fail. Everyone reckoned it would be Thursday. The majority of people went for Thursday. It's the anniversary, third anniversary of the collapse. So they were reckoning the, 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 the betting man or woman's money was on Thursday. But everyone did agree that the talks would lead to the resumption of the executive. Let me see if Malachi O'Doherty uh, agrees with all of that. Morning, Malachi. Who are these people, Frank? Well, Malachi, they're people from the south who live in the north. You know what I mean? Donegal people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, optimists, yeah. Yeah, they feel, they feel, they feel generally, because you know the way when you're in Donegal for too long, you run out of things to talk about and you think to yourself, Aye. let's have a yarn about Stormont. Uh, the, the conversation finished around a cheery fire, uh, uh, there, uh, uh, with, with this line with from. Drink taken. With, the drink Aye. was taken by some people and I was, I was only observing. I was not, I was not hosting this. Aye. I was simply observing. See, that was our conversation on Monday with Malachi O'Doherty and Thursday, delivered because this is the very early stages of Friday morning or did it deliver and could it actually still all be scuppered depends on who you listen to politically Arlene Foster sounds upbeat Sinn Féin aren't making many sounds at all then I look at uh, some tweets and uh, some comments on screens in front of me in relation to Sir Geoffrey Donaldson Um, maybe we shouldn't be as gung-ho as uh, people uh, in Donegal would like us to be Malachi well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it would be uh, you know, it would be wonderful if it all worked out. But the, but there are there are problems with this that are that are beginning to come into sharper focus this morning uh, than last night. I mean, I thought the the whole razzmatazz of launching it in the way it did was about putting a moral pressure on people to make a decision on a sixty-two page document without even having time to read it. Essentially, I mean, and. Uh, uh, and you know the assembly was to sit this morning, and it hasn't. Robin Newton has, has has said no to that until there's agreement between the parties. So, and and the things that people are pointing up this morning as as difficulties with it are, for instance, that the uh, uh, the Irish language uh, uh, act is not standalone. That the uh, you know the the commissioner uh, will will make decisions for the approval of the first and deputy first minister. So the you know the the DUP will essentially have a veto in any Irish language uh, determinations by the commissioner. There, we're also hearing essentially that uh, the, that all this money for health and education and public services for the mitigation of, uh, of welfare and so on is all dependent on devolution. I mean, I would have thought that actually compromises the union. I would have thought that very idea compromises the union because it's saying that Northern Ireland isn't really entitled to a health service on a 
are with uh, the rest of the UK unless we have devolution here. So, I mean, if I was a unionist, I would, I would be saying, you know, yeah, thanks for the money, you know, but, uh, but isn't there a principle that you're bringing into this that, that we haven't heard before? Um, so I would worry about that. I don't know whether this is going to work. Obviously, I mean, for Sinn Féin, uh, it would be very, very difficult for them to, to reject this because in rejecting it, they would be rejecting the continuation of the mitigation of welfare benefits. You remember that, that when uh, the Tories uh, brought in this, this grotesque uh, universal credit and principal ideas like the bedroom tax, you know, then we were able to set up this system of mitigation so that money would be made available through the executive to... Uh, to top up the welfare payments of people who would be penalised uh, by going by the ordinary uh, the British system, and and that ends next month. That you know that, or rather in March, I think that ends. Uh, so if you get this agreement today, then that can continue. And so what this agreement effectively does, and we're calling it agreement, we shouldn't call it an agreement because it's not agreed yet. What this uh, plan does, which is quite clever cynical and ruthless is it challenges the local parties to prioritize public services and welfare over identity. It says, which of these is more important to you? Because you're not getting all you want on, on identity considerations. But you, you will get a, a huge bonus on, uh, on, on welfare provision and public services if you buy into this. So anyone who doesn't buy into this is going to have to go back to their own electorate, their own people, and say, well, actually, you know, we thought Irish language was more important than welfare mitigation. And that's the decision we've made. It is for, you know, for the past couple of years, uh, there have been various discussions that I've been involved in around this and there are various programs. And I have accused Sinn Féin of prioritising an Irish Language Act over the practical functioning of government. And they've said, no, it's not about that. It's about uh, equality. It's about uh, all sorts, you know. But actually, if they reject this, that is exactly what they're saying. They're saying that, you know, the powers of an Irish language commissioner are more important than the mitigation of welfare benefits, more important than uh, equal pay for, uh, for nurses and so on. But at the same time, there is an argument that is a very strong argument that could be made uh, to the Secretary of State. And it is, hang on a minute, you know, are you seriously telling the nurses, are you seriously telling the people of Northern Ireland that without devolution and agreement on this, they are not entitled uh, to the same standards of health care and education that they would be entitled to if they lived in Birmingham or Wolverhampton or, or, or Edinburgh? Because if that's what you're saying, that's, uh, that's, that's new and that's, uh, uh, that's not welcome. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I, I know you're not a betting man, and I'm listening to everything that you've said so far, Maliki, in a very balanced way that you've delivered it. But within two hours from now, do you see progress? Within five hours, six hours from now, do you see significant progress? Or might today pass us by? Well, to be frank, I uh, no, you're frank. <laughs> to be candid, um, if I was the DUP, I would buy into this. If I was Sinn Féin, I would buy into this. Because I think the risk of going back to your people and saying, no, it wasn't worth it, and, and then landing everybody with the bedroom tax uh, and, and so on, then that would, uh, th- th- I think that would, that would potentially damage the party as an electable party, even in the Irish Republic or, or wherever, and the councils, because it would say this party is too idealistic and, uh, and isn't practical enough. So if I were, you know, I think the, the, the plan itself, the proposal, and that's what it is, is clever enough to put sufficient pressure on those parties to yield. That's what I, that's how I would read it. So, so, you know, it would be a very, it would be a very uh, brave Michelle O'Neill or Mary Lou McDonnell who would step out to this afternoon and say we're rejecting this, uh, and uh, you know because an Irish language, a full, a fully empowered, independent commissioner of Irish language is more important than welfare mitigation, more important than equal salaries for for nurses, more important than an injection of huge money into the education system. So, so the the practical, if they have any sense at all, of course they will accept this. But there are things in this. There is a methodology, there's an approach to this, which is, which is really cynical and ruthless, and which, which carries with it the implication that, that Northern Ireland is not entitled uh, to, the, to the same provision as the rest of the UK, unless it plays ball in devolution. Now, Ken Reid used a great term last night when he was at Stormont talking about the, uh, the, 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 the time process and the, the, the timeline. And he, he yeah. used that term about, you know, it, it, it'll probably need to move on quite quickly so as the mice don't get at it. And that, 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 <laughs> that, 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 that's exactly yeah. what happened in 2018, wasn't it? You know, be, that's what happened in 2018. And that's what maybe happened happening today, you know, because obviously Gillian Smith wanted this, wanted the assembly to sit this morning, wanted this to move, you know, and, and uh, you know, he didn't want all these, these discussions to be undermining it, um, you know, uh, be, before it was uh, signed, sealed and delivered, um, and, and there's some jeopardy there. Ken Reid's a better political commentator than I am, and, he, and he's much closer to the operations, and he, and he has coined a very, very nice phrase there. Yeah, but 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 it, to do it before the mice get at it, there's a slight suggestion yeah. in that as well that it's like buying a car and not actually looking under it. You know, you've you've looked you've you've looked inside it and you might have lifted the bonnet, but you haven't checked right in underneath it. And That's but so, sometimes we buy a car like that because we don't buy it, someone else will buy. It. Well, we bought the Good Friday Agreement on that basis. Do you remember what happened with the Good Friday Agreement? You know, essentially everybody was up to high dough. It was this huge. Uh, you know, celebration of this massive breakthrough, you know, and then we find out afterwards, well, you know, uh, all the prisoners are going to get out and uh, and we don't have a real agreement on decommissioning. 
everybody thought, you know, oh, this is great. The trade-off is the prisoners will get out, the IRA will disarm, and we're going to go, yeah, go into uh, uh, government and have devolution, and, and it's all, you know, fireworks and everything wonderful. Uh, you know, we're now everybody's hugging each other in the street, and sectarianism is dead. And that was all, you know, that was all, you know, not that at all. I mean, what the Good Friday Agreement was was a step along a road, uh, which would only get us functioning devolution uh, uh, nearly uh, 10 years later in 2007, nine years later. And, um, and you know, through that, on the run up to that, you had all kinds of procrastination, particularly around issues like decommissioning, but about the interpretation of language. Because what happens within the peace process is you get steps forward, you get these decisions made, you get deadlines laid down, and then you do get a huge enthusiasm thrown behind it. You do get commentators and and uh, and media people, you know, uh, throwing their weight behind it, not maybe even consciously doing it, but, but you know, in the buzz of a story, in the excitement of a story. And uh, and then later you get... I remember, you know, we were all waiting for one of the Clinton visits and uh, Jerry Adams had to say the war was over uh, or, you know, it wouldn't happen. And then the form of words that Jerry came up with was, uh, the violence we have seen must be a thing of the past, overdone with and gone. Well, that's, you know, that's purely aspirational phrase. Didn't mean anything. But a lot of the London media in particular ran huge headlines. Adam says war is over. Effectively, you know, it was pretty much. But he was still using language which was equivocal and, and not pinned down. And, but Arlene Foster and Jeffrey Donaldson and uh, senior people in Sinn Féin have been around this process for a very long time and they know how it works better than you and I do because they've actually been in the room and they, and they know the equivocations that are brought into play and they know the, uh, you know, the, the devices which, which the government will use and they will read this as clearly and, uh, uh, as focused as, as you or I will, uh, but they will have to make uh, uh, they will have to make decisions on the basis of uh, uh, of enormous moral pressure today. Yeah, yeah. They also know the nurses are standing on the picket line at this very minute. They know that at this very minute. Absolutely, and they know Absolutely. that, and that 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 you know? is relevant to all of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is. And and how do you go back to those nurses and say, well, actually, you know, uh, we could have got you your equal pay, but, uh, you know, it's still in all, we don't have an Irish, an independent Irish language commissioner with, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, I think there are, you know, in the agreement, uh, there's, there's also the idea that um, there will be an addendum to the Good Friday Agreement legislation, which will cover language. So there might be something in there. Uh, that's that's not in this paper that 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 will ultimately uh, raise the bar for Sinn Féin and, and and make it more acceptable to them. Okay. I don't know. Um, we can only wait and see, Frank. It's a day that will develop. Malachi, uh, thank you, thank you very much indeed, Malachi O'Doherty here on U one hundred and five. U one hundred Good morning to you. The sun is shining, but it is a very very cold day today, and it'll be raining later on. Will they have an agreement before the rain or after it? Let me speak to Amanda Ferguson who at Stormont could be caught in it. Uh, Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Frank. How do you see today panning out, Amanda? Well, the DUP have sort of been out of the blocks early in terms of uh, of, of appearances in the media and and, and talking up the the need for the deal. Um, Sinn Féin has been a a little more reserved, you know, in the statements that came out last night um, when we were standing, freezing (laughs) ourselves um, in the middle of the storm of the state. uh, The DUP leader 
uh, you know, straight away within the first couple of sentences of, of her statement was yes, we can move forward on this basis. Whereas Sinn Féin was perhaps a little a little more cautious. Um, a statement was issued um, in Mary Lou Macdonald's name. It was just a couple of sentences long that said that they would be reflecting on the content of the deal that it had been the, the government's choice to to sort of to, to release it to the public in this way, and that they would be meeting their Arcolia, their High Council, you know, executive committee would be meeting today, and then they would make further comment on it at that point. So, you know, I know that um, you we, we all know that nothing's agreed until everything's agreed, but it does feel as if this is the closest we've we've been, um, you know, to, to the politicians actually getting back to work. But um, as today unfolds, um, you know, we'll find out more, um, you know, whether the big two are, are 100% on board with this. But um, it, it does it does have that sense that while there's pain um, for everybody, that, that there's there is perhaps enough in it. Uh, or enough fudge or enough uh, ambiguous language and enough cash to get everybody back to the table. And do you think we'll see pictures on the news tonight of the Speaker calling uh, Assembly MLAs to, to order? Well, you know, the, the, the Secretary of State, um, uh, you know, the, the NIO issued a letter that the Secretary of State had written to the Speaker uh, last night indicating that, that, you know, he wanted the, the special sitting of the Assembly. You know, since then, um, the, the office has said that they need to know from the parties that a deal you know, had been agreed before that 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 would actually happen. So I'd imagine by by late afternoon, um, we'll we'll be in 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 more of a of a position to know when that will actually take place. It could take place uh, this evening. It could be tomorrow. You know, perhaps not Sunday because this is Northern Ireland after all. Um, and then we've got that deadline on Monday. Um, so I I think by by the end of this afternoon, uh, there'll be a clearer picture of what the next steps are going to be. Um, but you know, we we always have to to caveat um our our optimism. Um, uh, over experience um, and say that it's it's not a done deal just quite yet. How do you think Sinn Féin will make their announcement and when do you think they'll make an announcement? Well, the, the, the parties uh, meet in this morning and then they uh, are making the recommendations they are calling and then the, the statement should flow from that. Uh, so I'd imagine it will happen, um, ha- happen late afternoon. Um, the exact uh, structure of that, I don't know, but uh, you know, if it's going to be a, a, a yay or a nay, well, I imagine it will probably be a yay, perhaps with some with some um, extra um, you know issues being raised at the time. That you'll see that the the sort of uh, senior figures um, coming out to to, to reflect Sinn Féin's position, because you know we, we always knew that whenever we were um, going to be reaching this point, that it was going to sort of be a finessed version of the deal that was on the table um, in February 2018. So I think the the two governments to be been quite clever in terms of they've presented this sort of essentially it, it is it does seem like a take it or leave it deal and um, that you know we in the background we have the nurses strike uh, still going ahead and a lot of pressures uh, on the party to, to get back around the table after three years um with no devolved government so the, the pressure is on, on the parties and, and certainly everything seems to be pointing towards um the restoration, even though it's been clear that not everybody's happy with it, but you know you're never going to please everybody. And uh, whenever you're um, trying to put together a deal like this, it has to feel as if everybody's uh, winning to a certain extent. But there there will be pain in the content of the document for everybody, and, and, and sections of it left intentionally vague um, to give give them all a bit of a bit of wiggle room, I suppose. Could, could it be said that it's the the nurses' strike, the crisis in the health service, and in particular the industrial action that was the slap on the face to the politicians that? Has woken them up. 
I think it's certainly brought it home. You know, we've been without government for three years and everybody knows that the, the civil servants have been running the departments, but the, there have been certain decisions that they haven't been able to take um, because, you know, they're, they're solely left for, for, for ministers to take. And the, the British government has come under, um, you know, arguably fair criticism um, in, in that, uh, you know, it's been prepared to sort of step in on certain issues, but not others. Uh, and the Secretary of State, you know, made, made clear that, uh, you know, the, the cash won't be arriving unless the deal is done. Um, and I think that, you know, you've heard from the, the trade union movement that, like, um, yesterday that, that they very much feel as if the health crisis has been used as, as, as leverage uh, in a way perhaps that it shouldn't be, have been. But I suppose uh, desperate times uh, call, call for desperate measures. And uh, this 62-page uh, document, New Decade, New Approach, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's aspirational. Um, and perhaps the, the sort of uh, heavy, heavy content that, that some people might expect isn't there um, in, in every section of it. But it certainly, it certainly looks as if it, it could be a deal that uh, people could sell. You know, there's always going to be people who object to, to, to no matter what is put on the table. You know, it's a climb down or it's a sellout or it's you know, the diminishing British identity or it's, it's doing whatever. Um, but, you know, those people, uh, their voices only carry so far. And I think that the, the public has made clear in the last few elections that, you know, it wants the, the, the politicians to get back around the table. Um, I think that that was clear from, from talking to all the parties, you know, um, in the canvassing campaigns. It wasn't necessarily, um, you know, Brexit and border polls and all those different issues, which, of course, are very important to people. But it was the, the restoration of Stormont and... I think that the the, the average person in, in Northern Ireland just you know couldn't wrap their head around how people would continue to be paid if they weren't doing their full role. I don't think that any of the rest of us would be in a position that we would be uh, getting uh, money chucked at us if we weren't doing uh, our 100% of our job. So um, I think that you know over, over the last three years we're we're the closest that we've been to getting this going again. You know it, it feels as if. Uh, there's momentum behind this, um, and, and the governments have been quite um, bold. Um, and you know, even the, the staging for last night was quite dramatic. You know, uh, steps of Stormont and the, the light in the background, and the Secretary of State in the tarnished, you know, walking down towards the media. And uh, the you know, the the the, the um, document was published straight away on the NIO and the DFA website. Um, and it's very much, much the message has been put out as, you know, this is it. And I think the parties are at the point now, it's like, where, where else is there to go? And if not now, when? These questions will be continue will continue to be asked and answered as today progresses. Amanda, we might have you on again before the end of the show. Thanks for speaking to us, Amanda. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. Bye. Amanda Ferguson there, keeping her watchful eye on Stormont as well. Any moves or shakes in relation to developments, we will bring them to you. After-